0: So I think most of you know me. My name is Kara. I'm H's wife. Um, a lot of people have asked me where he is because they see me wearing this. So they know I'm talking and they don't see him. But him and Siler are at a survival camp. <laughs> in uh, the other side of Lexington, it was Siler's Christmas gift last year. Siler likes living off the land type stuff. Um, and so his dad went with him. So they are in a tent probably in the rain right now. I don't know, they're probably not in a tent. They're having a test to see how well they can survive this morning. So then they get a certificate if they survive. So um, but <laughs> he'll be back, He'll be. Back. I'm hoping he can walk because his back was really hurting before he left. So sleeping on the ground for two days, I don't know how it's gonna be. But So I've known for probably seven or eight months that I was going to speak. I used to do it like once a year. It's been a couple years now, I don't know why. I don't think, I, I have not spoke since we've moved here. Um, except for Mother's Day, and so he always gives me like six months notice, because he knows I need it, um, so I've I've thought, al- and I always think so much about my topic, about what I'm going to talk about, and I, I like to be transparent when I'm up here, and the last few years have been really hard for me, for a variety of reasons, the last several years, and I, the trending word is deconstruction, and I don't know if that's what I'm going through or what, but the past few years, I have doubted a lot of things, questioned a lot of things that I've always believed, um, and that makes it hard to get up here and talk to you guys, because <laughs> I'm like, what can I talk about? I mean, I'm not as sure about a lot, of this, a lot of stuff that I used to be sure about, and I just don't feel, you know, I'm not sure, and so it took me forever to, t- to decide what to talk about. Um, but I always want to think of something that is practical and that I hope will help at least somebody, in their day-to-day life. Um, and so the topic that I thought about um, is, if you guys have ever seen City Slickers, probably, great, I, I like the movie. So there's a scene where the old guy, Curly, is on his horse talking to the other guy, yeah, is it Larry, Larry, Billy Crystal, and he says, you know what the secret to life is, Larry? He's like, it's one thing, and he says... Well, what's the one thing? He said, that's what you have to figure out. And, and um, so I'm going to tell you today what the one thing is for everybody that I, I think. For me, it is, and I believe it is for everybody. A lot of people just don't know it. Um, so this thing that I'm going to talk about, big buildup here, problems with money, marriage, any kind of relationship issue, you stub your toe, your pet rat died, whatever you have going on in your life. Um, I believe this is the biggest thing that can help you, and it is knowing God. And a lot of people, um, I know that people are coming from different places with this. Some of you, maybe, you know, hopefully nobody here, you're in church, but maybe it's possible. You don't want to know God. You don't care to know God. Maybe you've known him in the past. You don't feel like you know him so well now. Um or you could feel like you know him super well. We're all at different places, and I, I hope that at least something I say can be beneficial to everyone. And I tried when I'm talking to take that into account, not just talk to people who are just wanting to know God, because I realize everybody's not in that place. And so hopefully I did that, but we'll see. So, the first thing I wanna talk about, and when I was praying, um, asking God what, you know, even like Thursday or Friday night, I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna talk about. Do I need to change anything? What do you think about this? And I felt like very strongly that he said he wants to be welcomed. Um, and I hadn't, this was not one of my points until later this week. And I feel like God wants us to make space for him, that he wants us to welcome, to welcome him into, into our lives um, individually. And there's a difference between welcome and invitation. I heard, uh, I listened to a lady speak a recording a couple weeks ago, and she said there's a big difference between being welcomed and being invited. You can be invited someplace, but that doesn't mean you're welcome there. And so, you know, I can invite someone to dinner at my house, and the way I greet them and the way I act when they're there, they might not feel welcome, even though they were invited. And so I think... Even if we've said, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I've invited Jesus into my heart or into my life, you know, the lingo, um, but have you have you welcomed him? Have you done anything to make space for him and to tell him, I want you to be with me? I want to experience life with you. I want to walk through life with you. And I think that he wants that from us because he's very relational. You've heard around Christmas time, everybody, um, we always hear Emmanuel, which is God with us. And... That's because he wants to be with us. that's the name He you know when we when I say God, I'm talking about look at look at Jesus. how did Jesus live? How did he act? what did he do with his time? and he was with us he was with people and you know he was very relational. He could have um, like H talked about with his self-care series friendship that um, he spent a lot of time with his disciples. they were his friends. he had friends and he didn't have to I mean. He could have sat on a throne somewhere and been like, you know, hey, Peter, bring me some hummus. Don't leave it there. No further. That's good. That's good. No contact with people today. I'm, you know, he, he was, but he, he ate with them. He slept with them. He did, they did everything together with his disciples and with other people. So, I mean, he was born into a family. He knew what it was like to have a family. He was all about relationship, and that was for a reason. When he came to earth, he didn't have to do that. He did not have to have close, close relationships with people, but he did it as an example to us and to show us that he wants to be with us, that he wants to be close to us, um, to comfort us, and he wants us to know him. And this verse says, he said, There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then in Revelation, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So this shows us he's preparing a place for us because he wants to be with us, not just in the future, but now. He wants to be with us now. He wants to be close to us now. Um, and I know that's. I mean, he's a he's a spirit. It's not. It's not the same that you can just, you know, talk to. I can talk to Becky and I see her and I can touch her. It's. It. It. You have to learn how to do it. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But I know that it's not. It, it's. It. It does take time to figure out how to know God and how to be with, God, with God and what that means. But the making space thing, um, I read this week where Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, "You have no." You, my word has no place in your heart to grow," he said that, um, and I think a lot of us we don't have a lot of space for God, and I'm I'm talking to myself also. Um, we imagine if you have a closet, and I think of a teenage boy for some reason that's just stuffed full of you know tennis rackets and dirty socks and soccer balls and you know dead fish or whatever you have in there, and when you open it, it just comes piling out, and a lot of us. I think our hearts are like that, We are our, our, our lives, our time, we're just crammed full with stuff, we're going from this to that, and it takes real effort to make time for God, it, it really does, I mean, I've heard it my whole life, I've gone to church my whole life, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, now thankfully I don't have to go <laughs> Wednesday night, <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it, but um, yeah, 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 but... You just, I've heard it always, but even still, for me, it's still hard to make time for God. It's so easy to, you know, to look at reels on. I just discovered reels on Facebook. That's how out of out of it I am. You can just keep scrolling down, and there's more and more. I'm like, oh, I thought you just could go to the side. I know you could just keep scrolling down. And, and so then, you know, I'd be like, oh, I've been looking at reels for 25 minutes. And you can just get sucked up so easily, and you get distracted from this to that. And just like that closet is stuffed full, we have to actually make an effort, a conscious effort to make space for God. And I don't know what that's like, for, I mean, what that means for you, um, what you have to do to welcome God into your heart, into your life. But I think he can talk to you about that. Um, the next thing is to be humble. I just read a book called Humility by Andrew Murray. You might have heard of it. It's like a classic. It's pretty old um, and it's short. It was really... I I encourage everybody to read that book. And he talks a lot about how, I don't even remember when it was written, like early 1900s, late 1800s, I think. But he talks about how the church, that Christians, I mean, all people, need humility. It's something that's largely, I mean, missing so badly in our lives. And it's not something we, a lot of people aspire to. It's not something you, wow, he's so humble. I mean, you you might say that about somebody. But more, more than like, oh, they're so confident or they're so, you know, they're whatever. But humility is not something that we maybe um, think is like the best and greatest thing. But I think humility should be something, after, especially after reading this book, I like, I want more humility. I need it. Oh, my gosh. I so badly need it. Um, but I think, you know, everybody needs to be more humble. And when I say humility in regards to knowing God... You can't, if you're so full of yourself and so full of whatever you're full of, there is no space for God. And humility is making space for God. It's, it's realizing that you need him. And so God talks a lot about humility. You know, pride goeth before a fall, and there's lots and lots of verses about it. Um, pride is thinking, you know, that you know better, that you, you, you already know. You know, you, you've kind of got the answers for this or that. Or I did this myself in my own strength. I I did this. It was me. And it's hard not to think that. I mean, in, in our culture, we want people to be proud of their accomplishments. And I'm not saying, you know, if I'm proud of my child or whatever, I'm, that's wrong. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. But when you think you did it and it's all you or you don't need help, you're so independent that I don't need anybody's help. I can do this myself. And I, I think that's kind of... In a lot of ways, the opposite of how God wants us to be. He wants us to be dependent on each other, and he wants us especially to be dependent on him. And that involves a lot of humility. So this verse in the Bible says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus was the example of humility. If you read about his life, I mean, he, as I said before, he did not have to live like he lived. Even, I'm like, you know, he could have at least, you know, had nicer clothes or, ate better food or something, I mean, doesn't he deserve that? Like, instead, he was almost the poorest of the poor. I mean, he didn't have anything. He didn't have a home. He ate fish that he caught, and he lived, stayed on the ground, and he could have lived much differently than that, and he, he didn't, um, and he had so much power, so many things he could have done with his power. I would have been like, you know, you want to hit your wife? Boom, you're out, you know, just like, I would I would have just been doing what I zapping people right and right left. If I had that much power, I would be teaching people lessons. That's that's what I feel like. Um, and he did teach people lessons, but he did it in a humble way. He did it through humility. He did it by loving people. And he he had all the power, and yet he chose to become obedient to death, to live as you know a peasant, as a pauper, and and to die on a cross, which is the most humiliating way to die at that time. Could he have bargained with God and been like, could we, you know, maybe a beheading, something different? But no, he he, he did it. He did the most humiliating death that you could possibly do. Um, and he did it because he was humble. Um, I, and I think the more we know God, that the more, like this book that I read about, Humility, it said if you're really... If you and once you think you're humble, you're not. That's the that's the problem. But humility shows itself in your relationships with other people. So once you you know you pray, you become you want to become humble. You seek God about it, and it's not something that you can try and try. It's just it's almost like a gift that God has to give you to be humble. But read the book. I'm not you know I I I can't explain it adequately. Um, but it's just super important that in your relationship with God to know God to just acknowledge that you need him. God, I, I can't do this, I need your help. And sometimes, for some people that's really hard to do, and but it's, it's necessary. So I found this, um, this blog that talked about humility. It said, people have a hard time listening to each other. They find it hard to treat people with respect whom they disagree with or to take diverging views seriously. They have so much self-confidence in their own opinions that they are unable to be self-critical And the existence of people who hold different opinions strikes them as disturbing as a kind of affront. And I almost talked about humility, like that was going to be my whole topic. Um, But I just felt like I'm not there yet. Like I don't know enough about it. It it would take me. I would have to study it a lot to be able to, as you can see, explain it. (laughs) Explain it well. But this, you know, your humility with other people. This was the opposite of what Jesus was. This is the opposite of how Jesus treated people. If people disagreed with him or they had different views than him, um he didn't he might disagree with them, but he did it in humi- he did it in a humble way. And if you look at our culture, this is I mean, this is me. Um I'm like this and I don't want to be like that and I want I want to be humble. Like Muhammad Ali said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. <laughs> I don't think that. Um but he I thought that was funny that he said that. Okay. Um, and then the last thing, and not the last thing, but the next thing, and maybe maybe the hardest, is to learn to trust. It's hard to know God, um, to want to know God, if you can't trust him. And I listened to a podcast this week. You guys are like, how does she do this? She has kids. How would she listen to podcasts and read books? I don't know. I just... It's, it's, this is like six months of stuff that I've tried to squeeze in. Um, Yeah. So this guy, Jason Clark, who actually came to Daylight like a year, two years ago, he had some books and I listened to his most recent podcast and he tells a story he's in a, he's on a mission trip in the Philippines and the jungle somewhere and it's like Super hot like he says he used to work in Mississippi and it's Mississippi is nothing compared to the Philippines like the humidity so he's staying at this place and the men are up on the top floor the women are on the bottom because the top floor is hotter and the men are being gentlemen I guess and they're trying to sleep and it's so hot and there's this fan that is oscillating and (laughs) it um so you, he's. I think he's probably exaggerating, but he said all night you could hear like when the fans blowing on, they're like, "Oh, thank you God." Thank you. Then when the fan blows off, "Oh God, why have you forsaken me?" You know, they're just they're just so hot. It's just so they it's just a miserable night. You feel like the only time you can breathe and sleep is when the fan is on you, and it'd be almost better not to have the fan because it's just you feel relief for a little bit and then it gets it gets worse. And so he said that he was thinking about that and he said you can't have in- intimacy where there is no trust and if God oscillates you cannot trust him. And I think a lot of times I know for me that it seems like God oscillates. It seems like you know sometimes he's smiling at you and everything's good and a lot of times we think we we earned that. We've done something. Wow, I've been reading my Bible more or I've been praying more you know I gave food to this homeless person so God's smiling at me so now my life's going more easily and the opposite when bad things happen we might think Oh, it's it's my fault I did this I did that and God is punishing me I do think you know you the reaping and sowing is true I think it's a principle you know you reap what you sow but I don't I think we take it way too far um and I I don't think that God oscillates even though it feels like he does um and he, he also told the story of a lady, Jason Clark, who called him, um, I believe was when he was a pastor. He used to be a pastor. And she called him and was very upset and said, she talked for an hour and a half about how she's leaving Jesus. And she talked about why. And that's how she worded it. I'm leaving Jesus. And she just said, because of this, because this happened and this happened and the church did this to me and blah, blah, blah. And he knew it was a time just to let her talk. You don't want to interrupt someone. He, she needed a vent. And he wasn't like, well, you can't, you know, he didn't. That's a sign of humility in him, I think. But when she got done after an hour and a half of telling why, why, she calmed down a little bit. And he said, I agree with you. I think you should leave Jesus. She's like, what are you saying? And, and uh, he said, the Jesus that you've just described to me, he said, I would leave him too. Um, that's, that's not the Jesus that I know. And what she was describing is a Jesus who oscillates and who things are going good, things are going bad. We think it's something we did or we just think that God's up there just doing what he wants to do. Um, and it's really hard to trust when you have that opinion of God. And a lot of us need to leave the Jesuses or the whatever that we have implanted in our minds. We think God is like this we've heard it our whole lives, we've heard sermons on it, whatever. We've even got examples that we why we think that God is like this. And I would encourage you to relearn who God is. That's what I've been doing the past um, few years, maybe only even the last year, I don't know. But, you know, I've heard things my whole life about what God's like and I've always pretty much believed them. And then Some things have happened to me recently that I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not. Why did I ever believe that? Um, And I think it's a healthy process, um, but I think I, in a lot of ways, have had to leave some Jesuses that I've known in the past. And so what I'm doing is I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to keep reading them and keep reading them until I figure out for myself what I can tell who, and I'm not saying I won't listen to anybody else or I'm not just, it's all me, but I want to know who Jesus is, not because of some traditions that started with St. Augustine or, you know, cultural things, like what does, what do I know about Jesus and who he is? And I want to just strip it down to that so I can, and what I'm finding is that God is much more um, full of grace and full of mercy And loving and kind than what I I, I've always seen him that way like I've always you know I've always believed God is loving but I also thought why does all this bad you know that's the big question why is there suffering in the world why do good bad things happen to good people those are the big questions those are why people leave God that is why people never want to go to God in the first place is because so many bad things happen gut-wrenching things that I don't even have words to describe because it hurts so bad. Pineapple, 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 God. I'm not going to cry. Um, Kate Barron told me to look up and say pineapple. That's our, I think her word's different, but my word's pineapple. I don't remember. Anyway, it worked. Okay, that's good. So we. if you haven't been through something gut-wrenching, horribly hard, you will probably. It's just the way it is. And you can look around and say, you know, life is so hard. Where is God in this? Where is God when this happens? And I believe God is right there, right in the middle of it. Um, and you might not always feel him immediately, but that doesn't mean that he's not there. And so, uh, sorry, this is a funny example, but I watched Dr. K, exotic animal vet, last night with my children. They like that show. And there's a picture, uh, There's a, I think it's a bearded dragon or a, some huge lizard, I don't know what it is. And it has an infection in its eye. <laughs> and so they're trying to calm it down to get blood and it's like thrashing about everywhere. And she just puts her hand, the vet who knows what she's doing, puts her hand right on top of it and it just immediately calms down. And so I thought, you know, that's, that is what God does for us. It's when we get to know him and when we spend time with him, all the horrible things, he doesn't take those away. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, and we don't know why, and that is the hard thing. Why? I mean, I want to know why, and I, I can't. I don't know, and I, I think someday I will, but until then, I mean, I, I just trust, and it's, it's very hard, but the more time I spend with God, the more space that I make for him, um, the more I go to him. He gives me, not as, I guess you would say it's his perspective. his, his I don't know his thoughts necessarily, but I, I get the perspective that he wants me to have. And that is, you know, in, in John, he said that the light, the darkness has not overcome the light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And I believe that the darkness will not overcome it. It hasn't yet. And if we lived in a world where, you know, everything was great, we got everything we prayed for, there was no problems, no pain, no suffering, we'd be in heaven. We wouldn't be here. But we are on earth still, and that is a part of it. That's where we are. Um, and it, it's hard, but that's why I said, you know, the one thing that I think can help people more than anything is to know God. Because once you know him, And it makes going through that harder stuff a lot easier. And it's you—you still don't understand, but it's like he puts his hand on you, just like with the thrashing lizard, and it helps you to calm down. He's calm, and so I feel calm because I know he's got it. I don't understand it, but I know he's got it, and that it's going to be okay. Um, so just a few practical things. You know, how do you? how do you know God? Like, what do you do to get to know him? My sister Abby, she likes to, she lights candles and she creates, like she has these rugs. And she lived, when she lived with me, she like, twice when she's lived with me in two different houses, she's like spilled candle wax on my carpet or my chair and like ruined it. I mean, so funny, I don't know why. Anyway, that's a side point. But that's her thing. Like when I got married, like I was always taught, you gotta have your quiet time. You know, ideally it's in the morning you know, 30 minutes is good. (laughs) Um, And I still think that's good. I mean, if that's for you, that's fine. But I sure certainly do not think that that's the only way you have to do it. Um, So like my, when I got married, like with HL, I thought, man, why doesn't he have his quiet times every morning? What's wrong with him? And, um, and then as I've, over the years, watched him, and he, he prays in the shower, like he's told you guys, most, I mean, he'll take a 20 minute shower, and he's praying, I don't, I don't get it, I don't have any desire to pray in the shower, I wash, I get out, I'm done, Um, but everybody's different, everybody does their own thing, you know, you might pray, and pace, and shout, and whatever, Um, like, I cannot see John Shields doing that, I I see John Shields with a cup of coffee, watching the sunset, just chill, (laughs) maybe not, I don't know, but everybody, huh? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. That works. (laughs) As I said, each to each his own here. Um, But what I mean is, there's not one way to do it. It's but the main thing is time to find some time that's just for God. Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever floats your boat. You know, it could be longer. Um, And silence is your friend. It is so hard for me to find silence. Like I have a porch that I go to out my bedroom and I you know, I even lock the door. The kids know how to unlock it. They just keep coming, Mom, can I have cereal? Rigs scratched me, you know, just constant. Um, so for me in my life right now, silence is hard to come by a lot of times. Like if I get in the car to drive by myself somewhere, it's like, oh, this is so nice. And I know some people have lots of silence in your life. You don't have kids running around, so it's different for you. Um, but for me right now, silence is big time. And so I think once you have, you you make space, you find time, and then you just talk. I mean, you just communicate, just like you would with anybody. And this is where people have such a hard time. Like, I, I've never heard God. How do you hear God? For First, I think you should talk sometimes. I mean, a lot of times listening, but a lot of times talk. You can yell if you're mad. You can sob. You can shake your fist in the air. I've yelled. I've been God. I've been mad before and just taking it out on him, and it didn't seem to bother him. I mean, he's, he's okay with it. Um, but it's a real relationship where you talk and you listen and you talk and you listen. So how do you hear God? What does it sound like to hear God's voice? I think he speaks through your thoughts. That's the easiest way that I know to say it. I'll have a thought sometime, and I'll be like, hmm, that was probably from God. Do I know 100% for sure that it was from God? No, but I don't think I thought of it. And a lot of times it's the way I talk, it's through like my personality, so he's not going to talk to me the way Marilyn, he would talk to Marilyn probably, because him and I don't relate the same way that Marilyn and him would relate, and that's okay. He's relational, you act different ways with different friends, and that's good. He can talk to you through a sunset. There's a a tree that that I see, I watch it through all the seasons when I'm sitting on my porch, and I it just, sometimes he talks, I feel like he tells me things through nature about who he is, about the seasons, about, you know, roots, how they go deep in the ground, just all kinds of stuff like that. When I'm in my garden, I feel like he shows me things through nature, through other people. Lots of times um, people have said things to me that I were like, wow, that, that was really, I needed to hear that. And probably, they might not even know it. They might not even know God at all, but God can still speak through them. My mom has a miniature donkey named Paco, who is a complete idiot in my opinion, <laughs> but he's stubborn and annoying, and he does whatever he wants. I mean, he is just, all he cares about is food and how to get it, and and God spoke through a donkey in the Bible, <laughs> and so I think God can speak through anybody. Um, that is my opinion. Yeah, so... Find a quiet spot, take the time, learn to listen. And it, the other thing is that sometimes, you know, like with exercise, you exercise once, you can't expect to get in shape. I mean, you have to do it over and over and over and over and over before you see any kind of results. It takes work. And a relationship with God takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. And just because you sit with God for five minutes, you're like, I didn't hear anything. And people say that a lot. Well, I've never heard God speak to me. Well, how, how much time have you spent trying to hear God? I read a book recently, but I think it's called The Nomadic Life of a Female or something. It's about this woman. She got a divorce in her 40s, and all she, she became a nomad and just traveled the world until she's, she's still doing it. She's like 80-something right now. So she lived in Mexico for three years. She just goes wherever she wants. And she lived in Indonesia, and her heritage is Jewish, but she said she had never felt spiritual like she participated in this this mayan thing where you know they summoned the spirits or whatever and that she participated in this church service and did this and she'd never felt anything but when she was in indonesia in indonesia she went every day to the beach and meditated for a long time um and the people that she were living with were they were buddhist and she said she became much more in touch with their spiritual side more than she's ever i'm thinking you lived there for eight years and you meditated every day of course you did i mean she that's what she sought. She she wanted she wanted it and she got it. And I think if you want it in wherever it is, I can't remember where it's at exactly, but it says, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, um, and you, you ask and keep on asking and you will receive. So it's not a one-time thing. It's you got it. Sometimes it could be first five minutes. you could be like oh, I oh this is amazing, or it could be a year of you trying to hear God, and all of a sudden, wow, okay, and it happens. But it's worth it. It's worth the effort. Um, it's To me, it's the best thing that you could possibly do with your life, um, which, is, which is why I'm talking about it. So, in conclusion, um, I just think it's so important that we learn who God is for ourselves, not what someone else tells us, not what we've always thought but to actually figure out who is Jesus, what did he do, what does he want from me. Make it your own, make it personal, Um, take the time to do that. My friend um, Becky said, we were having lunch a couple weeks ago, and she said, you can tell someone that the sunset is orange and yellow, but does that adequately describe the sunset? No, it does not. And I can tell you that Jesus is good and that you can trust him, but until you've experienced it for yourself, it does not, you know, I can't. I can't explain it. Um, and the only thing, when I've been in God's presence, when I've when I've known that God is there with me, um, the only thing I've ever felt is love. That's it. I've never felt God say, "You didn't do that good enough," or "Why did you do that?" or "You're so bad at that." Never have I felt that. Um, I've only felt, "I love you. I'm with you. You got this, and it's gonna be okay." Just. Not those exact things every time, but something like that every time. That's who he is, and that's what he does, and that's what we need in our lives. Now, he could give you specific answers about things, you know. Um, not It might not just be that that general, but that's, that's what I hear, and that's what I want you guys to hear, and so I just encourage you to try to get to know God um, wherever you're at, just a little bit better than you already do.